Robots Radio. Games. Lore. Stories. Community. Just press play. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Robots Radio presents... You're listening to the Dungeons & Dragons Lorecast, the best way for everyone from experienced dungeon masters to those curious about D&D to learn more about the worlds, creatures, and lore of Dungeons & Dragons. Hello and welcome to the Dungeons & Dragons Lorecast. I am Sergio. And this week is the Multiverse Famous Patron Roundtable, where we get to discuss some topic relating to D&D with our wizard and deity patrons at patreon.com slash dndlorecast, and also some invited guests. This week, we are joined by wizard patron Jorn Ironside and our old friend Stuart Watkinson, we were going to have our good friend Darkwing on the show, but he had to go see a man about a horse. And coffee, I believe, is is drifting somewhere in the astral sea. But don't fret, we have another special guest for you after the middle of the show, so stay tuned. So this month, uh, seeing as how it is the end of June, we are midway through the year. I wanted to get with our patrons and with our guests and ask them what they've been getting into Dungeons and Dragons wise and also just tabletop role playing game wise the first half of this year. And then also what are they looking forward to most in the second half of 2022? So let's go ahead and get just get the party started. Say hello, Stuart. Say hello, Bjorn. How are y'all? Howdy. How you doing? Hello. hello. So let's start off with you, Stuart. What have you been getting into Dungeons and Dragons wise in the first half of 2022? So what I've been getting into, I have been, uh, so I run a, a West Marches campaign, which some of your listeners might know about because I talk about it and share blog posts and stuff um, with my friends. And so we have been, um, we've had a few games again this year not as many as we'd liked but things have been turbulent (laughs) in the last few months um and what we've been doing there has been moving from so they've been like capped out at level four but with options through feats and stuff like that and magic items to get more powerful um and they are now moving on to move beyond that up to level Eight. And to do that, we wanted to have like a significant event that caused that ability. Um, so we have me and the other DMs in that group uh, came up with the idea of um, finding something that sort of led to the downfall of this ancient civilization that they've been exploring. Um, so they've found these little... Uh, I don't know. Uh, they're like little uh, 
cubes that the dwarves made in the mines that they can uh, use to uh, tap into extra energy, um, which for each one they find, they sort of have the ability to to move up one level. Um, so that's been one of the things that has consumed me a bit. It took me a long time to sort of figure out how we would do that and how it would work in a in a setting that that has no NPCs and uh, right. uh, or no, not a lot of NPCs anyway. Um, so there was no chance of like learning from someone else. Um, or getting also, a quest that promises some sort of, you know, reward. Yeah. So, so in the end, what we did was they found this tome that sort of explained um, the war that led to the end of, this civilization and oh my dog's gonna bark i'm sorry i'm sorry my dog's gonna bark my little guy gets excited when anyone ever gets here he's a those long-term listeners of the show would have heard kevin many times almost every episode that i was in kevin (laughs) um uh yeah, so so they found a tome that had like the, the history, and we came up with like these five different passages that they were able to transcribe that uh, alluded to places they'd been to or places they'd heard, they'd heard of, and were able to get there. Um, so that's one of the things I've been doing. Um, another thing is I've been writing something. Yeah, I was going to say like field. you don't just play these games; you actually write yeah. them. Yeah. Yeah, I've got a lot of um, little bits and pieces that I'm doing. And so um, I've been put onto a, uh, in with a group of people that are working on something for uh, Spelljammer uh, on the DMs Guild, uh, which is a collection of new races and feats and stuff like that. Um, and I have come up with some space traveling, uh, environmentalist ants that, uh, what, sorry, I don't know if you can hear that, but my little girl is having a time out there. Um, (laughs) it's getting very close to her nap time. So she's just, uh, having a bit of a meltdown. Um, yeah, so that's been really fun doing working with a team of people on this. So, so the guy that's uh, running that is, is quite seasoned in sort of um, running projects less, like this. So, a lot of feedback, um, a lot of um, collaboration, and so I've come up with these uh, space ants called the Formica Vindexi, who um, basically mined their planet out of existence mm-hmm. um, and then had to escape on living tr- like uh spell jammers that are like massive trees and uh they now cruise around the astral sea um dropping seeds of these huge uh trees that send them information so whenever a, a like an ecosystem of a planet or a realm or a um plane of existence starts getting out of balance for whatever reason they sort of get signaled and they converge on that and try and uh, figure it out and and they, they, they have a lot of um uh charisma based stuff so that they're, they're like negotiators and whatnot but then i've also made a subclass of paladin that's like the last line of defense sort of paladin you know they're like 
we'll we'll can we'll talk with you for a while, but uh, then we're going to get down to real business if if we can't come to a solution. Um, so that's been cool. Um, I, I, I have not known a lot about Spelljammer, uh, and so I you know have been doing a lot of reading about that stuff, the the new stuff that I can find, but then also digging up the old second edition. I think it's second edition. Yeah, advanced D D second edition. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, and having a read of some of those books. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's uh, it's very neat niche. It's very niche. You know, it's like as far as like yeah. who it appeals to, because you know a lot of what you can do in Spelljammer doesn't really you can't really translate that into like a regular campaign. Yeah, um, yeah, but that's exciting. It's, and it's not quite science fiction, and it's not. I mean, it's fan. I mean, it's fantasy science fiction you know um science fantasy i guess so it's, it is it is a very strange um sort of setting and so a lot of the, the you know the um i've made sort of like a table of why would these people why would the vindexi be in your world and you know it's all about them arriving because there's some sort of imbalance or you know because they're really strange you know they're, they're sort of bipedal ants that have oh and they like speak through scent so they they have like pheromones and so their communication is mainly pheromones and sign language uh which makes fun for some role-playing stuff you know like you smell fear and you know so you said they mine their uh, their planet out of existence so that i assume because they are now traveling to planets that have some sort of imbalance they've learned from their mistakes and and don't want yeah, another yeah, planet they... to suffer the same fate exactly right yeah yeah, okay. yeah so like they all they sort of have this they, they know what they have lost and they are working hard to make sure it doesn't happen to other planets um so that's yeah that's where that sort of i mean i may have been down a rabbit hole of um environmentalist stuff <laughs> on our own planet when i started coming up with that idea um but yeah, that's been really, really fun. Uh, it's been a bit strange for D&D this year. So we had a, it's in, in Australia this year, there were some, again, there were some really huge, uh, significant floods um, in on the east coast of Australia. And uh, I actually donated most of my D&D books, except for four, to a, someone, there was like an RPG relief fund for like, because there was all these people that were like, well, we have, you know, we've lost everything, lost their homes, lost their right. businesses. Um, so donated to a um, a business that had lost all their stuff in the floods. Um, and they distributed for free to people in their area um, RPG materials and stuff. So so I'm actually only down to three, uh, four D&D books, which is the core three plus... Um, Tales of the Yawning Portal, because I love Tales of the Yawning Portal. I'm always sort of digging into that for the dungeons in there. And, uh, so, yeah, this the first part of this year has been a bit strange with D&D. On playtesting the Vindexi a bit, which has been cool, because they're, like, big. So that's like a big ant with a lance. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, so you mentioned it's for the some cool, like, Spelljammer stuff that's coming out on DMs Guild. Uh, should we expect it around the same time that Spelljammer comes out? Are you are you trying to get it released around the same time? 
Yeah, it'll be out on the 18th of August, which I think oh. is the same day or the day after or something like that. Um, so pretty much the day that they announced Spelljammer. Um, yeah, Sven was like, hey, I'm going to do a project on this. Who wants in? Uh, and so I put through a few pitches and, and that one got picked up. Um, so, yeah, they're timing it for the release of, of the Spelljammer stuff, which I'm pretty excited about. Like, I, I think... Um, you know, growing up, science fiction was probably the bigger influence on me, aside from Conan the Barbarian. So, um, uh, it's kind of a I little of both. Like... It's sort of like you, you were mentioning; it's sort of like a science fantasy sort of thing. Mm. It's like I, I, I equate it to sort of like Flash Gordon. It's kind of the, that mm. pulpy science fiction, you know. It's yeah, like, for it's sure. like it's kind of like the idea, like the not so much the aesthetic, but sort of like the the feeling, the tone of like Conan the Barbarian, but in mm in space you know that sort of uh yeah. pulpy hero yeah and just the idea of like you know actual you know literal uh sailing ships in space you know and you know that you can have swashbuckling combat uh in you know, space space pirate uh shanties mm. sort of thing mm. Mm. so so i i think i think Going forward, I'll probably be playing a bit of Spelljammery stuff. I might um, set up a, a, a game with some of the local folks and, and um, give that a go because it's not something I've ever played before properly. You know, it's just something that I have experience with through reading and sort of like osmosis, you know, you just sort of like Spelljammer is such a cool term you know, phrase, word, um, and spell jamming. I really, I, I just, I like that, you know. Uh, it's like uh, the uh, the wild, um, wild west of space, you know, I like that. Um, yeah, it should be a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. You're on Ironside, what are you, what have you been getting into the first half of 2022? Uh, well, First half of 2022, I got to play a part of a homebrew game that I'm part of. Uh, it's just one DM and a total of now what is now five players because we had one join up about probably about 20 sessions deep because my DM actually does multiple groups. How he keeps his storyline straight, I don't know because just taking notes, I screw myself up. So, yeah, it's hard. It's hard for me to the uh it's hard for me to be like playing in two campaigns like i sometimes forget like when i'm playing one character i want to do something and then realize like oh like this character can't do that it's my other character that does that yeah so we've gotten try to get used to that and then we took a break because i just had my own little one with my wife so kind of got used to all that fun mm -hmm. shenanigans oh yeah if it makes you feel better my daughter's also uh fighting sleep right now so it's <laughs> It's a good time, but uh, finally had another another session just this past Sunday where it was almost a TPK, and I almost flipped the table, so that was great. <laughs> I got banished. I was the only one up, and I got banished, and I just started freaking out. But uh, we had a NPC comeback. It was actually IPC in an old uh, game we played that actually ended in everyone but two people dying so she survived and lived in the plane of air and that's where we uh left the campaign off at this point so hopefully we get another one here soon 
but yeah, I just, uh, I should have gone first. That's almost the whole story right there. <laughs> I mean, that sounds, what, uh, pretty, that sounds pretty epic. Yeah, what level are you at uh, at the moment? Right now, I think everyone except for the Rangers at 14 and she's at 15. So you've been at it for a while. So, a good bit, yeah, because I want to say we started this campaign late 2020. Nice. All right, cool, man. That's great. That is um, that is some amazing consistency. <laughs> yeah, well, I was just we just try to at least get like once a month in because we have someone from PA. I'm from Ohio, and we all meet up in a general centralized location at one of my friends' house, and we just all try to just hammer out as much as we can in the one time we have. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's usually good. We take a small break for like dinner and stuff, and then just jump right back in it. No, yeah, like. I, um, I'm in a campaign with, uh, that's been going on. I joined it, uh, in session, like, well, or rather like I joined it in progress, um, about May or June of 2020. And we're still going on. We all meet online because uh, a couple of them live in New York. Uh, I live, you know, outside of Dallas, we've got one in Houston, we've got one in New Orleans, and we've got one in San Francisco. So we're literally like all across the United States. Uh, but we have been planning on getting together for like an extended weekend, you know, finding a location and, and playing in person for the first time. Because actually, because the, the, the way I fell into this group is my, an old professor of mine is the DM. And so... I've never met any of them aside from him. And so, and likewise, like, you know, some of them haven't met some of the other guys, but, uh, but no, yeah. Like I, I love the idea of, you know, showing up at like 10 in the morning, you know, playing for a couple hours, breaking for a short lunch and then playing for like, you know, five, six more hours having dinner and then playing for another five or six hours until you pass out at like one o'clock. Like that's if, you know, if heaven's real, it's, it's something close to that at least. Yeah, man. Yeah. That's, um, I, I can't remember. It's been a very long time since I've had a, a full day and night to, to game like that. So that's, um, that's awesome. And Bjorn, you mentioned it was homebrew. So give us some, uh, give us a little, uh, description of what the campaign is kind of like. So, uh, the rule is if you have a character, you have to have a backstory. Like, and it, it can be as vague or like as precise as possible. But in some way, and I, I, I love and hate this concept, he will twist it ever so slightly. So it's not like, oh, yeah, I know exactly what's my backstory. It'll be like, oh, like for mine, mine's a warforge who just randomly woke up in the woods and he's just like, what's going on? And then I got attacked. So the people that attacked me started in my mind as like, oh, it's just a group of bandits. Well, now they're a whole militia system after me because I'm a giant warforged that through the game, he's just like, we're going to make a Titan core. And anytime you activate it, you turn into a huge Titan form warforge and you just can go berserk. I'm like, oh, that's cool. I'll take that. Yeah. <laughs> and so now they, they're after me for that. Uh, we have earth elementals fighting air elementals uh we've gone and oh my goodness what is his name it's not avernus he's not in control of that one he has he has um the wand that it instantly touches you it kills you he's 
Orcus? Oh my gosh. Yes, thank you. I don't yeah. yeah, we went into his his home turf and escaped there. We've been hopping around just trying not to die, essentially, and solve some minor problems. But uh <laughs> there's about four stories that are getting crushed into one. And it's surprisingly like not as insane as it sounds as he you think, oh, we're just going to do a checklist one by one by one. So far, they've been intertwined fairly well to the mm-hmm. point where it's just like, we just got out of Orcus's like, main palace. Okay, cool. Oh, the plane of air is getting attacked? Awesome. Let's jump there and see what happens, and then we get attacked again. And then we get like one day in-game where we're just like, okay, what do you want to do? Um, I don't know. Uh, are we going to get attacked? No. Okay, I guess we'll go and shop for things. <laughs> but it's just, it's insane because he'll essentially let us do anything as long as we don't try to break the game. That's the one thing none of us want to do because it stops being fun for everybody. Mm-hmm. So we ended up taking over a mine. And in about 20 minutes, he made a whole system of you have this much stone, this much ore. You deliver on these days is how much it's worth a whole spreadsheet. And then we just ended up selling it, which I felt really bad for because he took time and effort to do that. (laughs) But it's just the little things he lets us do. I find amazing. Well, I wouldn't, it's cool. I wouldn't feel too bad because I mean, if, I mean, it sounds like he's an amazing DM who knows what he's doing. And I mean, and has been doing this for a while. And if he's been doing it for a while, he's very, you know, duly familiar with players like, like, like the, it's like the, the curse of the DM, like creating this fantastic lore and world and, and it, or adventure, can, you know, or uh, encounter uh, only for your players to like, you know, like, you know, walk away from it, or like figure out some way to just like completely like dismiss it. And, but it, like in a very like clever way. So you can't be really mad at them, but at the same time, you're like, oh, I spent all that time. Oh, well, but then you can like repurpose it for later on or for something different. Yeah, we uh, might have circumvented a whole, like, oddly enough, like a pirate ship fight because uh, I, I'm just a zealot barbarian, but we have a wizard who can cast fly. And I also have what we call the Titan core that can make me go around to size huge and everything. And it lets me, uh, apparently he forgot, do uh, twice the damage and basically become a siege weapon. So any structure I can do twice the damage with. So we're flying over to the ship that, was just attacking a town. I'm like, I would like to fly at a 15 degree angle up to 100 feet away from the caster. He's like, okay, I'll let that happen. So they were flying 100 feet above the ship. So I was 200 feet. But I asked, I messaged uh, the wizard. I'm like, hey, I need you to cut my spell. He's like, okay. So he cut my spell. And right before I hit the deck, I activated the core, essentially cannon my bo- cannonball my way through the ship. And instead of fighting five to like possibly 15 large bad guys, I just sunk the ship. And as <laughs> right. a Warforge, I don't have to breathe. So I could have just stayed in the water. So uh, there was a bit of frustration on his part, but I was very proud of my uh, Goonie-esque idea that I could just be like, all right, we're going to do it. No, yeah, we like to say, again, it's, there's definitely some frustration, but at the same time, it's more like, there's also like a it's it's 
painted with you know admiration it's like watching like your kids grow up it's like like i'm <laughs> like you know i can't believe like i must have done something right for you to be able to think of something like that <laughs> but uh for me like i said i've been i've been doing it's uh this campaign now going on for two years uh it's a fifth edition converted age of worms from 3.5 the old uh, paizo adventure path uh it's there's age of worms there was shackled city i'm a huge fan of the shackled city adventure path i actually have the um it's the only one that they collected and put in a hardcover book and i've got that um uh age of worms is one that i was always interested in but never got to play and so when my old professor brian asked me if i wanted to um wanted to jump in i was super intrigued it's two years later and we're still going strong we meet up online about every every couple of weeks um beyond that uh, we did a we took a break on our curse of strahd campaign that my buddy was running for us uh because of um you know other uh commitment school and and work and other, all that uh but i think we're going to start up on that here pretty soon again now that everything's sort of settled down um, and in the meantime, I ran the hunt for my friends, which was a lot of fun. And uh, also one of my friends, just like you, uh, Bjorn, recently had a kid. And so we were trying to get through uh, World Eaters Awakening, which I found on DMs Guild, which is a 17th, 18th level adventure, which I thought would be fun because like my character or like my buddies have never really gotten that far in the game and so i was like yeah just roll up a character that's like stupid strong and powerful like let's go for it and like have this like epic encounter uh and we're just about done with it but uh when um when my buddy's wife uh went to the hospital to to give birth and so he's now into like sort of settled into the the groove of having a newborn as much as one can and so i think we'll be able to uh (laughs) at least finish up here in the next week or so and then of course, like the, you know, the podcast and, and I mean, this is, you know, when, when people ask like, Oh, like, what do you like to do? I was like, I D and D like, that's, that's <laughs> what I spend a lot of my time listening to reading about thinking about, uh, you know, I've been now in the habit of, um, collecting older stuff, like older, uh, older material. I uh, I have also been buying some of the older stuff. Like I've been buying quite a bit of um, uh, fourth edition stuff uh, out of just out of interest with how the the combat work combat worked and the the abilities that monsters got. Like some of the abilities in fourth edition are really really cool and easy to. Um, uh, transfer into fifth edition. Mm-hmm. Um, like really simple stuff like I think it's red ancient red dragons just have an area effect that's constant every every round there's X amount of damage that is done just because they're they're like radiating heat you know like that's I just think that's super cool uh, and uh, I think it's gnolls gnolls can if, if a gnoll knocks someone down I can't remember if it's they reduce them to zero hit points or knock them prone they can just move their movement again and take another attack so they can just sort of you know rush through 
like barrel through a group of people. Yeah, yeah, it's really cool. Just little bits and pieces like that. There's, I really like, um, and I think it's cool to sort of get an idea of where the game has come from, uh, and you know where where it's at now. So I've I've been I've been very similar in picking up some of that old stuff. Like I picked up the player's handbook and the and the first two monster manuals, I think. Um, oh, and I also picked up the Fiend Folio, uh, which is a original D and D book. I picked that up as well. Yeah, it's cool, man, and because it, it was written by like the. Um, the British arm of TSR before they disbanded them. So uh, there's lots of U's in the words, which is fun. Um, Armor, A-R-M-O-U-R. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's cool. Uh, Makes me feel right at home. And uh, there's lots of really interesting monsters and artwork and stuff. So I've I've had a good time with that. Oh, and I also found uh, at my, I'm, I'm a high school teacher and in the, art teachers library i found an original monster manual that, that, that she had she had bought in the 70s or 80s for a reference um and i was like hey this is cool she's like you can have that i have not looked at that since like 1985 i'm like excellent yes so, i will uh, have this thank you so much yeah yeah so that was a cool find um yeah, I just and I, I just love all that old art. I'm, I, you know, most oh, of the yeah, stuff yeah. that I, it's awesome. I'm I'm creating has you know black and white line art and and grayscale stuff. It's just my aesthetic that I enjoy. I think it's because I'm largely colorblind. So, um, but no, I uh, like that sort of late '80s, early '90s, like black line art is like I, I love that for. Um, for just about anything. I mean, like I, um, I used to play this uh, wrestling card game called Champions of the Galaxy. It's somewhat role-playing-ish in that you use a dice to determine, uh, you know, successes or failures. Uh, and then depending on what happens, you build like the story. Like you are essentially like, like the Vince McMahon of, of the game. And so you, you can cock the storylines and, you know, put together the matches and then some characters are you know more powerful than others and so it can be a an easy match to show this this person's strength but you know if the if the dice rolls so well in the other guy's favor he might pull out the win and so you've kind of got to figure out like exactly how like what Mm -hmm. why that makes sense in the storyline it's a lot of fun but yeah like it originally had like that sort of like line art which i i I love so much Mm. that's it so i I loved what you just said then like regardless of what happens you need to then come up with like whatever the dice says you know you need to come up with a reason for that and i think that is one of my favorite things about gaming you know like it's like i, I see it a lot so so one of the other things i had down t- to talk about was the D club at school that i run which hasn't been able to run for a long time because of covid but we started up again this term nice um and the wanting to win and roll well thing and like you know if it's a success <laughs> only if it's if it's a success is that a good thing and there's no way that a good thing could come out of you know a failed dice roll uh so that's something that i work with them on a lot uh to not just you know you know swinging your sword and missing doesn't mean you're bad at swinging your sword the other guy was just better or their armor was stronger 
or they're too quick, you know, those sorts of things. Um, because it's always this, oh, I missed more. Like, well, what? Why did you miss? What's happening there? The dice, they, they don't, they don't care. They'll, they'll, yeah, they'll roll the how they want. Care. The dice don't care. The dice do not care. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Well, with that being said, we're going to jump into the middle of the show so we can thank our patrons. We can discuss some news and we can take a look at the aforementioned DMs Guild to see what kind of shenanigans we can get into. Welcome to the middle of the show. The middle of the show is where we take a break from the lore to one, thank our patrons, two, check out any upcoming D&D minis, three, discuss any recent D&D news, And finally, four, check out the DMs Guild to see what kind of homebrew fun we can have this week. Let's go ahead and start off by thanking our patrons. This, of course, being the week of the multiverse famous D&D Lorecast patron roundtable, I want to thank those patrons who have a standing invitation to participate every month. Those patrons being, of course, Bjorn Ironside, who you heard from earlier, Darkwing MT, Text Tin Star and Coffee Bean Husky. Thank you so much for supporting the show. And if you're interested in being part of the patron roundtable or getting DD Lorecast merchandise such as t-shirts or mugs or stickers or getting any of the bonus content that we release, then you can head on over to patreon.com slash DD Lorecast. All the funds that we get as a result of the Patreon just go back right into the show to make it bigger, make it better. We've got a lot of cool stuff planned and those plans can definitely come to fruition much easier with your support. And of course, if you are in a position where you can't sign up for the Patreon, you can still support the show in a ton of different ways. You can go to Apple podcasts or you can go to Spotify and leave five-star reviews. You can join us on Twitter at DD Lorecast and converse with us there or you can start a conversation on the robots radio network discord we have a text channel there it's literally like hundreds of people on the discord a bunch of those folks are on the DD lorecast text channel and we just talk DD nonstop. it's amazing it's it's like heaven it's 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 great and of course tell a friend tell tell mention us to to the the clerk at your local gaming shop or the person that you're playing Warhammer with. You know, they might like D&D stuff. And as far as news goes, it has been announced that DMs Guild has announced an official partnership with Roll20, the virtual tabletop. There are several really popular VTTs. Roll20 is one of them. So it's cool to be able to uh, see this sort of uh, partnership where the stuff that you buy on DMs Guild, will, it'll be that much easier to incorporate it on your campaigns that you use in Roll20. So I, the only thing I hope is that that doesn't leave VTTs like Foundry or Fantasy Grounds like out in the cold because those are definitely great in their own right. I know a lot of people are fans of those. So hopefully the creators of the content that show up on DMs Guild still have the option to support those VTTs as well. And speaking of DMs Guild, let's just go ahead and jump right into the DMs Guild corner of the week. Stranger Things is on and popping right now, y'all. Stranger Things is super hot. It's in the zeitgeist once again. Vecna is uh, trending 
which is something that I never thought I would see in a million years, but it's dope. It's, it's a lot of fun. And as a result, DMs Guild has a stranger monster sale, a lot of content uh, that has to do with the Demogorgon or with uh, Mind Flayers or Vecna is 30% off. Uh, you've got the original uh, Vecna adventures from, from Advanced Dungeons and Dragons, plus a bunch of like really cool homebrew content, including uh, the Rise of Vecna, which was the is the doomed Forgotten Realms adventure that we highlighted a few weeks ago. Uh, this week, however, the title I want to highlight as part of the sale is Eldritch Expansion. It comes to you from Toby Lothar. And it's normally $4.99, but as a result of the 30% off, you can get the PDF for only $3.49. And it is definitely worth that price. It is 70 pages that unlocks the secrets of the Far Realm and other worldly magic. So what does it contain? It contains 10 pages of lore and optional rules for the Far Realm, Aberrations, and Eldritch Magic. I mean, you've got me there. You've already sold. 10 pages of lore? Done. I'll buy my copy now. Uh, additionally, it has 17 magic items, including three new artifacts, two new races, the Eldritch Scion and Rogue Illithid, a new class, Eldritch Warden, uh, nine new class specializations. Uh, also, it has 24 new Eldritch invocations, 25 new spells in general, and 19 new monsters. Like I said, this is 70 pages that is just absolutely jam-packed with content. They Absolutely, they're not, you know, use any filler whatsoever when making this supplement. So definitely check it out. Eldritch Expansion, it's on sale right now. Even if you don't catch it on sale, it's still only, only $4.99 regular price, which is great. We have a link, of course, in the show notes. Definitely check it out. If you use it in your campaign or in your adventure, let us know what you think. It's it's definitely going to be worth the, worth the purchase. Trust me. Well, that being said, let's go ahead and jump on back to the conversation. Ah! And before we get back to Bjorn and Stuart, I want to invite our old friend Lupus into the tower. So Lupus, what? It is it is the it is the middle of 2022. What have you gotten into Dungeons and Dragons wise or TTRPG wise first half of this year? Uh, first half of this year, a lot of uh, online play, uh, a lot of epics. So 100 people playing together online at the same time, working towards the same goal. Uh, a lot of DCC, which is like a old schools rules. Uh, Dungeons and Dragons, it's basically D&D light. A lot easier to get into. Mm-hmm. Uh, some living Greyhawk, where you affect the the campaign. All your actions have uh, effects on uh, what other people do and like uh, how the world lives, how the world reacts. Some Dragonlance, kind of getting in the preparation for the new Dragonlance that's going to come out at the the end of this year. It's going to be very exciting. So the the living Greyhawk, that's always something that really fascinated me just the the scope of it and the amount of detail that needs to be paid attention to because like you said like everything that you do in your campaign affects the world at large which means that everyone else playing 
their campaigns, their actions also affect the world at large. So how do you, how do the, I guess the people that help facilitate or run it, how do they, um, when sort of conflicts come in, like let's say like you kill somebody um, that another campaign happens to uh, save? Uh, I think rule number one is don't murder hobo everything. Um, yeah, I mean, that's the general in D&D, like uh, going to town on just down right, right. or you know, burn everything to the ground, pillage it. Uh, so for that, you kind of have to take a step back and think about what's going to happen. And then I'm guessing if everything goes off the rails, just like regular D&D, it's the DM's you know, job to make it work and you know, settle the score at the end of the day. So how many people are playing in this Living Greyhawk, uh, I guess, campaign? Uh, I don't know. Uh, it's all through, they do conventions and online play. Uh, I've played a couple games. There seems they've got their own Discord server, which is, yeah, maybe a couple hundred people on that. And this is, is this the official Living Greyhawk? Uh, I think so. They do it at conventions. Okay, cool. Gen Con, uh, they've got their own conventions because uh, I think he's based out of Pennsylvania, the main guy who runs it. And you said you're getting into some Dragonlance. Is it just playing the games or are you also reading some of the novels? Uh, going back through, listening to the audiobook, picking up some novels and then playing the games with uh, other people who are familiar with the lore. And you start to lose pace of everything that's happened. And then when you have new people jump in, you have to dial it back a little bit because you're like, like, oh, tennis. And you're like, oh, oh, okay. Yeah, we're gonna, <laughs> nope. <laughs> Spoilers. Well, see, for me, I mean, I obviously, like, I do a podcast where all I do is talk about lore. So it's kind of like my obsession and sort of like the thing that I love the most. Um, so like, for me, like jumping into that, like, I would want to be like already duly prepared, but I can understand people who are normal and insane, uh, might not have the time or the energy to devote to that. So that's good. That's good. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm also very excited about um, about Dragonlance here at the end of the year. But we'll get to that. We'll get to, we'll, we'll talk about what we've been doing in the first half of the year. And then we'll discuss what you're excited about for in the second half. Uh, you also mentioned the DCC rules. Can you go in a little more into that for those who don't know? Yes. Uh, Dungeon Crawl Classics uh, have... That's from, uh, from Goodman Games, right? Correct. Uh, Goodman Games, it's based off the of Section N, I think, of uh, the very old school books. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very rules light, um, a lot of role playing, and I don't think I have had more characters die ever in any <laughs> game setting for a tabletop. Like, I've lost so many people. It's, I've, I've, yeah, you're supposed to come through like funnels, you start with four. They're giving me extra. Like I'm like I got to the end. I'm like I've got no guys left. They're like, okay, cool. Well, we're gonna continue on. We'll see you next time. I'm like, eh, okay. Like I just lost. That's that's awesome. I mean, it's uh, a lot of people. Uh, yeah, a lot of people sort of, um, you know, I don't know. Like I don't want to say like look down on, uh, like having their characters die. But I mean, it, this is a this is a game where that is a definite possibility. And I try to remind everyone of that, that, you know, you are playing heroes in, you know, death-defying adventures. So, you know, don't be surprised at all if you happen to not defy death one time. 
Well, I think that's how they uh, help you s uh, separate uh, how people become so attached to their characters. With DCC, you start off with a like four zero level, just like a farmer or you know, a rancher or a banker, like nobodies. You roll your stats and plug like them the into Oregon the slots. Trail. So you don't you don't choose right. They just go into the you know, slots as you roll them. Mm -hmm. So just random people, and then if one makes it out. Or more than one then you get to keep those as legacy characters whereas with DD, you can put a whole session possibly two into just building a character stats items backstory uh and then the attachment of spending that amount of time as opposed to next to no time no yeah i, I could definitely see that i mean like yeah, like you said it's an entire session at least like that session zero sort of thing is where you uh were Players come in with their characters, either you know relatively formed, but want to get some uh, some like guidelines on like what sort of items they could have, or you know they're kind of neophytes to the game and come in like I need your help building this character from scratch. And so you know yeah, most for most of the time it's a character that you know they they pour a lot of energy and their heart into, and to see them die, uh, you know because <laughs> they roll the because they roll terribly or because the DM happened to roll fantastically. Uh, it can be a little disheartening, but still, I mean, there's, uh, I once saw a meme that was, um, I forgot what the, um, oh, it was from the movie Up, where the old man, like, puts the little, like, pin on the, on the little kid. He's like, I bestow mm -hmm. upon you my highest honor, like, you will be an NPC in another campaign I run, <laughs> and so, you know, there can always be something like that, where the NPC, or that, you know, the play character who dies can, you know, it can be set in the past, and they help out, or you know, they can somehow speak to their ghost or resurrect them even. But anyway. D&D yeah, uh, I mean, &D does it with our storylines. Why not with your character? No, yeah, exactly. I mean, like I just did uh, two episodes on Tasha and, you know, they pretty much like merged two characters together. They're like, <laughs> eh, let's just go ahead and let's just make this one person. Uh, so Didn't she be, was like the ultimate bad guy and great, but like the, the, the worst person that, because uh, it was the circle of eight, right? With Morden Kane and, and mm -hmm. yep. uh, Tensor Bigby. And then all of a sudden, yeah, I was confused too. Like when those books came out and I'm like, wait, didn't she used to be a bad guy? No, she's not a bad guy anymore. Okay, it's a couple different. Okay. I'm like, yep, well, it's... Then, you know, uh, 3.5 came out and they're like, yeah, it's just the same person. Tasha and Igwil, they're the same person. And now that she's the Bilna in Wild Beyond the Witchlight. So it seems like every edition, she has a new persona. So, which is fun. Oh, have, speaking of which linking those together real quick have you seen uh with vecna coming out and they kind of explained i don't know how much of the newer campaigns you've played all the black uh, obelisks that have been popping up throughout the campaigns so they're all over the place in like a uh, frost maiden and uh avernus uh mm -hmm. i remember them from avernus. Ev evidently so throughout those these last series of campaigns like five adventure books those obelisks lead up to vecna somehow like he's been dropping those as either powerpoints or or points of power rather uh right. ley lines and in the new upcoming like whatever they're going to release with like vecna stuff it's going to relate to all the backstory lines of like him taking over the forgotten realms nice that that's something that in of course with stranger things being out like we did vecna as well and uh just the way they've sort of like you know weaved him in and out of the of the lore of the of the mythos and the fact that 
sort of like what he tried to accomplish in Divek Nadai is sort of unofficial canon as to why you know Advanced Dungeons and Dragons is different from three point or three, third edition and three point five. So that'd be fun to see like how they sort of like wrap everything up together for fifth edition. Yeah, absolutely. So you've been you've been you've been pretty busy the first half of the year, it seems like. So what are you looking most forward to in the second half of 2022? Uh, honestly, uh, I know it got pushed back a little bit or everything got pushed back mm-hmm. from Witches of the Coast, but uh, Journeys Through the Radiant Citadel. Uh, right. I like anthologies. I liked Candlekeep, even though it was a bit tropey. I mean, all of their stuff is a little bit tropey. Um, but I think new stories, uh, them coming out with new people, doing new stories as opposed to just redoing the same old stories that people came up with in D&D. And they're great, you know, great authors. That's why they keep reusing the same stuff. It's why we keep reusing Shakespeare and Chaucer, right? right? right. Uh, but new stories in D&D from new people. And I, I hope that kind of leads back into bringing back like a, a was a Zakara, Matsuka, Karatur, like the part you know, of Forgotten Realms that, we use that just the sword coast but like the rest of it you know there's so much more to explore and they're going to have like a whole new anthology of you know mythology based on their cultures that we haven't seen or used before or gets very rarely used right yeah i i, I was reading the first chapter of of it that was released by D beyond and i was just giddy with excitement because just yeah like you said it's something fresh and something new it's not just another new D&D book because like you said, you know, Tales from the Yawning Portal, uh, it's stuff that we've kind of seen before and like Curse of Strahd, like, yes, it's, you know, it's very much, it's very expanded beyond like the, like the previous Strahd, you know, adventures, the previous Ravenloft adventures, but, you know, at its heart, it's still something that they've done. They're just, you know, you know, uh, transforming it a little, making it bigger introducing it to a new audience, so to speak. But for, for the folks that have already been introduced to it, you know, I can understand that sort of like hunger for something completely different. And that's what Journey, Journeys Through the uh, Radiant Citadel is. It's 13 new adventures that you've never seen before and more than likely haven't seen anything like before. You know, Because like you said, it's from uh, 13 different writers who are writing about their own culture from their own perspective. And so it's something that I think is going to be completely wholly unique to D&D canon. And I'm like, I am tickled. I am, I am <laughs> effing excited about it, man. There's, there's only so much you can just rehash the same, you know, like European style mythology of like you know, dragons. And then you get into like, you know, uh, character where like there's you know, Asian dragons and you're like, Oh wait, where did these come from? Well, they've been here the entire time. We just haven't explored that side of the continent. Right. Uh, right. So I'm, I'm hoping this is a stepping stone. Yeah, you know, that they start using like other mythos and other people's you know, ideas as opposed to just the rehash. I guess. No, for sure. And well, I mean, I was going to say, speaking of rehash, although I am just as excited about it, we got Spelljammer coming out. Uh, Radiant Citadel comes out uh, in about a month from now. Uh, uh, January or July 20... 19th. And then a month later, we get Spelljammer. How, what are your feelings on Spelljammer? Uh, I don't think it's going to do well. 
I mean, I think people are excited for it, but um, they haven't done a great job of combining sci-fi and fantasy before with adventures. I think people are excited because it's a it's reminiscent and it's a throwback, right, uh, right. nostalgic, right? And then they get that nostalgic feel about it. And then um, I don't remember it being that great to begin with. And I don't, uh, seeing what they've done with like the last couple adventure books, I don't think it's going to be anything amazing. I mean, they're buying up properties left and right. So maybe they'll come up with something that they have, somebody else has written and thrown it in there, but we'll see. I mean, that, that definitely is, uh, it's a hot take, but it's not one without merit because I mean, there's, there's a reason Spelljammer, you know, didn't, you know, it was, it definitely had its, its audience in Advanced Dungeons and Dragons, but that it didn't extend beyond that. It wasn't, you know, wildly popular like other campaign settings were or other like rule sets were. Uh, and so, yeah, it'd be interesting to see if they're able to sort of course correct that and, and sort of figure it out because I mean, yeah, like, like I love it. Like I, I dug into it and fell in love with it, but that doesn't necessarily mean, but then again, like, you know, like I said, I, I do this podcast and talk about lore, obviously like, you know, my mind isn't, you know, normal sort of so to speak so yeah. the things i like and enjoy <laughs> might not be uh liked and enjoyed by by the mass public but yeah people are excited yeah. and yeah i like i said i hope they i hope they figure it out like i i i would be more excited about planescape than spelljammer planescape's a I mean, lot of fun yes uh a lot of lore a lot of creatures it's with spelljammer it's it's chips and 3D combat. And I mean, how often realistically do you use that or go into like having to build that out in adventures, you know, battles at sea, which is going to be battles in space. So on an X, Y, and Z axis, it's, yeah, I don't know. No, Maybe I'm just critical, but. <laughs> well, no, and I was going to say that's, that's a lot of, I think that's a, a lot of the reason why it wasn't as popular as, uh, as it was back in the day is because the rule set sort of um, sort of uh, is in and of itself. It's hard to tr it's hard to you know transplant you know what you what you can do in Spelljammer to like a regular campaign. You know, whereas other uh, other adventures, other campaign settings that you get, you know, so some of those rules are are very easily easily transferable. Uh, and then you know, finally, we've got. Like you mentioned earlier, we got Dragonlance at the end of the year. So you're already digging back into that. So I, I can assume you're more excited about Dragonlance than you are Spelljammer. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, the, I mean, I grew up with, well, I didn't grow up with that, but yeah, it was one of the first uh, like D&D &D novels I got into without realizing it was D&D. &D. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, and like all the characters and then going down that storyline. And I haven't read everything, but I've read enough to yeah be apprised uh so i think it because that's such a, a magic light it's more token-esque uh storyline i think it'll appeal to more people now yeah, because steel's yeah like more important than gold is and magic is kind of yeah uh iffy or not no as well known and you know, at one point that the gods had gone and you've got gold moon and that whole storyline and 
the three moons that can, you know, are the gods and control magic. So uh, more of like a Zelda throwback to that one. So I think there's more people have noticed more tie-ins to what they're used to or familiar with and right. gra gravitate towards that. No, yeah, for sure. I mean, like Journey through the Radiant Citadel is appealing because it's so different. Whereas something like Dragonlance is appealing because it's so familiar. And so I think, uh, you know, what Wizards of the Coast, what, you know, the tightrope act that they're trying to perform is give you something unique, but not, you know, so unique that, you know, it's uh, that you don't want to play it and then give you something familiar, but not so familiar that you just view it as a rehash or as, as, as trite or, or tired. I don't want to cast, you know, aspersions on anything before I consume it. I like all I, all I hope for is the best on on everything they release. Like you know, it'd be it, there's nothing better for the tabletop role playing community at large than for its biggest, you know, I guess the biggest elephant in the room to be successful and to be not only successful but to be to put out good product to put out good content. Well, I think that's yeah, and I think that's absolutely correct with them. Uh, purchasing uh, D&D Beyond and then Roll20 partnering, partnering with DMs Guild, who's basically owned by you know, Wizards of the Coast. I was going to say, we mentioned that in the middle of the show. That they're going to start exploring more uh, author-created content as opposed to canon stuff and bringing it into uh, their stories because they realize they need you know, a diversity. For sure, for sure. Well, is there anything else you'd like to mention about uh, the first half of the year or something to look forward to in the second half before we let you go? Uh, no, I mean, I hope uh, they get their schedule back on track for D&D, like keep releasing new stuff. Uh, I'm kind of excited about, um, what was the board game coming out? Onslaught? Dragon Slayer Onslaught? Okay. That's a DD and d one. Uh, that looked interesting. Uh, it was like a miniatures battle game. So... We'll see. I'm not sure how what it's going to cost. I know it comes out. I think November. It was it was announced at the D and D press release. Uh, whatever that was called. It's Dungeons Dragons on Dungeons Dragons onslaught something like that. Excellent. Yeah, well, I'll definitely post the link to it and uh, in the show notes. Let everyone know about it. Cool. Well, thank you so much, Lupus. I will leave you back to your uh, living Greyhawk, your DCC. <laughs> your dragon lance and whatever else you got cooking up in that kitchen of yours. Cool. Thanks for joining us, sir. Appreciate you. Thank you very much. Good to see you, Sergio. Likewise. And we are back with Stuart and Bjorn. Uh, now that we are back, we can talk about the things we're excited about in the second half of 2022. We've talked about what kind of mis mischief we've gotten into in the first half. You know, what kind of mischief are we hoping to get into in the second half? Uh, Stuart, let's start off with you. What what has you excited about uh, the second half of 2022? Um, well, I mean, I'm looking forward to Spelljammer coming out. That's probably the the D and D thing I'm most keen on. Um, I'm I will probably pick. I'm pretty sure it's a three book release they're doing. Yep. Uh, which I will pick up um, and read and hopefully play. Uh, I. I think I will have enough folks in the local area that would be keen to give it a go. So that's, that's a good thing. 
Um, and I'm excited for this. So this, this project that I've been working on is, has got, I think it's got about, I'm going to say 10 other designers that have all either done a revamp of um, spell jam erasers or come up with brand new ones. So uh, as well as like spurt, like spell jammers and um, feats and magic items, legacy magic, ma magic items and subclasses. So, so that's going to be pretty fun to play with. Um, I'm, I'm always interested in seeing how they, how the mechanics of things like spell jamming and spell jammer fights and whatnot work and whether or not it'll be the same as like, or similar to um, naval combat in D&D. &D. So that, that's probably the the D&D &D thing that I'm most keen for next this year, the rest of this year. Bjorn, how about you? What are you looking most forward to? Uh, okay, so this is probably going to sound weird. Like, I love when books come out, but I never read them, strictly for the fact that I don't want to know anything like Monster Race, anything about it, just in case the DM buys it and it pops up so I can, I'll be just as confused in real life as in game. Like, <laughs> let's right. see if I can hit it. Like, I... I spend my time like going through YouTube videos of like, oh, this is what it was in the first edition or second edition. And just like, this is what you could do to use it here. Like, I try so hard to avoid learning any new thing that comes out unless it shows up in game. But I'm, uh, I'm always jazzed when new things come out. Cause I'm like, ah, maybe that'll kill me or maybe I'll get a chance <laughs> to find one of those items. But yeah, so I'm a little weird in that aspect for that. I mean, like with we've got journeys, uh, journey through the Radiant Citadel coming out next month, which is another thirteen adventure anthology. And uh, does your DM does he pull from like does he go through like the new releases himself and be like, hey, that's a cool idea, I should use that, like twist it around, like you know, make it my own and and fit it into the campaign. Or does most of what he do completely from his own imagination? I would say a lot of it's from his own imagination, but like obviously like monsters, some dungeon traps, like those will be like either one or just a classic trope or I'm pretty sure that was in this book. And one of the other guys will chime in and be like, yeah, it was, it was definitely in that one. Cause I remember it killed me or we just got around <laughs> it like kind right. of deal. But like he, he definitely tries like, to put a small twist on it, especially with uh, one of the guys, he's like a walking encyclopedia and he tries really hard not to metagame, but he'll be like, Oh yeah, I know what this is crap. And he'll like try not to like, just give it away in game, but he definitely, our DM definitely tries to put a twist. So it's not just, Oh yeah, you can do this. And it's, it's gone. We don't have to worry about it. And that's something that I, uh, that I see on TTRPG Twitter, which is, like advice to DMs, like, hey, if uh, if a boss battle is seemingly too easy for your players, give your give your big bad an extra hundred HP. Like they'll never know. Like or like give them a new ability that isn't like you know you it's a let's say it's like a I don't know like a like a wraith. Like give it an ability that wraiths don't normally have, and if they say anything, be like, oh well, this isn't your normal wraith, obviously. <laughs> and just like on the fly, monster create a monster. Hmm. I think it's I think it's necessary. I've I found that like DMing for my group 
has like out of the so for example in the the west marches campaign there's about 20 odd people in that group it's three dms at the moment but almost every player is also a dm in their own right as well so there's there's really not a lot in any book that that you can throw at them that they haven't come across before so there's Mm -hmm. always this constant slight change slight improvement slight or making them worse like so so an example i've had of that is like sending through like a they called ghasts yeah ghasts that those um they're probably like a cr2 or something like that um but they recognized them from my description and were anticipating a lot worse and i just basically turned them into minions and they got to wade through lots of them but you know um sort of just slightly changing their expectation because they they will know everything <laughs> your comment Bjorn, about not wanting to read things so you don't know is like music to my ears because <laughs> so, many, so many people know exactly what i'm throwing at them. yeah i love dming but i also love being a player but you know it is in in my i mean like you know i don't know everything but because of the nature of the show i I'm constantly reading about stuff. And, and so as a result, I'll know exactly like what something is, but like, you're like, you know, like you said, Bjorn to your, about your buddies, like I tried to do my best to keep it, you know, to myself and, and not let, uh, not let the rest of the party know like, Oh, Hey, like this thing is vulnerable to fire. <laughs> <laughs> and just sort of like, um, you know, I just try to, I mean, I try to role play as much as possible, like, you know, rather than, you know, what, what I do in this situation with this knowledge I have, like, what would my character do? Like, mm. it's like, well, you know, like he's a tiefling rogue and like, you know, if something gets aggressive with him, he's going to attack, you know, with his scimitars. So that's what he normally does. So like, why would, you know, uh, the, this, this other creature like be any different? You know, like, why would he, mm unless he already had some sort of experience with them. But no, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a, it's definitely a, a tight rope to, to follow, but you know, when, when done well, and I guess Bjorn, like yours is the, the foolproof way to, to make sure it doesn't happen. Just don't read any <laughs> of the new stuff. Just enjoy it when it shows up in your game. Exactly. I'm really excited. Obviously I'm excited about journeys through the radiant Citadel just because it's, uh, I, I think it's going to be a lot of stuff that we haven't seen um, we haven't seen before in terms of your normal like D&D adventures because we have 13 new writers writing about their own respective cultures from their points of view. You know, it's not going to be, and, and Lupus talked about this uh, when I spoke with him, it's not going to be the sort of like standard uh, like Eurocentric, like knights in shining armor, sort of um, like East, like our European fantasy that has uh, been a majority of D&D. And like I said, like, and we still got Dragon's Lance coming out, which is like, you know, right in that wheelhouse, which isn't a bad thing. Like, you know, I'm excited, excited about Dragonlance as well, but I am excited to see something new come into sort of the, uh, the canon and in the multiverse. And of course, Spelljammer, like it's as soon as it came out, I mean, I, I was excited about it 
um, months ago before they officially announced it because I was convinced that it was going to be the next campaign setting they announced just because of their uh, Wizards uh, focus on the multiverse. Like there's, it's gotta be Spelljammer. They, they gotta be Spelljamming to the different realms. That's gotta be it to the different mm-hmm. spaces. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's and you know that's that's the whole thing. Is you chuck in the spell jammers, and now you can cruise around the multiverse. And so then we've got uh, Dragonlance as the second, and so we've still got a third that was announced to be uh, released in 2023. But we'll get to that at the end of year show when we make bold predictions for 2023. But no, yeah, I mean we've got. Journeys through the Radiant Citadel. We've got Spelljammer, and we've got the Dragonlance uh, content that's coming out at the end of the year. So, the second half of 2022 should should be pretty jam packed. Should be busy. Mm-hmm. Are you excited about anything? Uh, I know, like uh, like I was talking about it with Lupus. I've started playing the Alien RPG at my local store, oh, yeah, cool. and it's man, it's a blast. It's a lot of fun. It's so good. Hey, it's it's fun. It's easy to learn you know uh it's role play heavy uh somewhat combat light i mean because obviously you just can't be running around fighting xenomorphs you know every single encounter like those things are so brutal and deadly like uh you will die in fact um yeah. one of our characters didn't die but i had pretty much his arm melted to the bone and so he was you know he was out of commission so like he and so the the game mother had to hand the guy a new character sheet um but yeah yeah, so good uh but no again i I saw a tweet uh either last week or the week before where it was basically saying like like playing other games only enhances like your ability and your skill to play games like dnd you know the more you know breadth of experience and knowledge you can you can call from like the better your dnd game can be because like i say it's you know, you can, you're able to change it in every, any way which that you see fit. You know, if you want to create a gas that is different from any gas that your, that your players have ever seen before, that you're, by all means, you can do that. If you want to incorporate uh, the idea of a stress die into the game, you can absolutely do mm-hmm. that. I mean, no one, there's definitely a, recommended way to play D, which is what is in the uh the player's handbook and the dm's guide but you know beyond that like that's that's you know, i'll say it yeah you know, i've said it before i'll say it again it's the adaptability of it is, is you know why i love it so much mm. i i have a, adapted the uh the, the troika initiative system for 5e uh, which is essentially each player get two tokens that get put in a bag and then um, depending on the initiative score of monsters, they get um, that number times by how many they are. So, for example, if there's goblins, you've got three goblins, their initiative is plus three, I think. So they would have um, maybe nine tokens put in the bag. So they get more turns to attack. And then you pull randomly. Oh, and then you also put a token in that ends the, the round. So... You can you draw from the bag randomly, and those tokens get to go in that order. Uh, it 
causes chaos because yeah, I uh, can imagine so. You never know whose turn it's going to be. But after one combat encounter or a couple of com- combat encounters, it makes players a bit more wary to enter combat because they don't necessarily know exactly how it's going to work in t- turn order. Uh, now I don't do that for every game, but I do. I do like that chaotic approach to initiative because you know fights are not structured no yeah it's not like you know it's like i'm going to hit you and then my buddy's going to hit you and then you're going to hit one of us and then i'm going to hit you again and then it's my buddy's turn after that again Mm. so Uh, and like you you know i've had situations where just all the players got to go first twice in a row yeah you know almost you know and then I've had situations where all the monsters had their turn first. Um, and that causes, you know, and, and, you know, it either causes a TPK or it causes, you know, everyone to want to bail and not want to fight them anymore. Um, uh, yeah, I, I agree. Playing other games is one of the best things you can do for your D&D game. I like the idea of that, that uh, Troika... Uh, initiative rules uh rule set because yeah it it lends a uh, some chaos to the initiative order mm-hmm. uh and i'd say it, for me i'd probably want to incorporate it in a maybe like a one-shot adventure mm-hmm. so you know it's it adds sort of more to like just the the you know the briefness the the, the chaos of it you know this is going to be over in just a few uh mm-hmm. in just a few hours so it's like it's always keeping you on your toes i like that mm. i like that a lot yeah it's it's fun that way well uh speak do you want to do you want to say anything before we head out Stuart? anything you want to plug or anything you want to bring up oh always things to plug um large shire is a setting that i've been working on it was released uh, a few years ago now, but it's been it's gone through some developmental edits, and I'm going to be laying that all nice and pretty. Which is a it's a system agnostic setting uh, that's filled with quest seeds and intrigue and um, NPCs and tables of events and items and all sorts of stuff uh, for a seaside village that you can use in your fantasy RPGs. Um, still currently funding, but uh, will be released in pdf and print in december um i've also got another system agnostic adventure coming out very soon uh called uh the rot beneath winterbrook uh which is uh about arriving into a very small village where there's very bizarre strange things happening that no one wants to talk about and uh having a bit of a noir style detective thing that eventually leads to fighting huge disgusting brain-sucking worms um always a plus and yeah yeah and i've got another adventure which is already released in uh web-based format called um uh demon's bane in the bitter peak which you can get right now uh but i've just finished putting that into layout for pdf and print which will be coming out in the next couple of months and you can grab it from my patron Patreon now if you want to. Otherwise, you need to wait a couple of months. They're, they're the things that I've been doing lately. 
Yeah, and we'll go ahead and link to uh, your Patreon in the show notes for those of you interested. Uh, like I said, I've I've got a couple of your games. They're simple enough to that uh, a neophyte can start playing them almost immediately, but mm. subtle enough that an experienced gamer can you know also find it a lot of fun. So it strikes that really good medium, in my opinion. The games do. Cool. Excellent. There's something else in the works too, but I won't talk about that yet. It's on, it's um, on the hush hush. I understand that. Yorn, how about yourself? Anything you'd like to mention before we go? Ah, no, I'm a pretty boring guy, sadly. So, yeah, I'm good there. Well, you'll, you'll definitely have to. Uh, this is your first patron roundtable, so we're glad to have you on, and we uh, we need to have you on more often so we can discuss uh, discuss your your opinions on on the D and D and hear some more about this awesome campaign that you that you've been playing for a little almost two years. But yeah, definitely. Well, thank you so much, gentlemen, for joining me. No worries. Cheers, Sergio. Doodles. And thanks to each and every one of you listening. And thank you for allowing the Dungeons & Dragons lore cast into your ears and into your homes and into your hearts every week. We'll be back next week with more lore, of course. And if you're interested in any of the things we talked about during today's show, whether it be Stewart's Projects or the DM's Guild Corner of the Week, check out the show notes. We've got links to everything. Fare thee well, dear listener. And until we meet again, may all your 20s be natural. Thanks for listening to the Dungeons and Dragons Lorecast. If you've enjoyed the show, please consider sharing it with a friend, following us on Twitter at DNDLorecast, or jumping on the Robots Radio Discord to chat more with us about Dungeons and Dragons. We'll talk to you next time. to a Robots Radio podcast. Smart shows for interesting people. Check out all the shows at robotsradio.net.